0: We call it STEM music indeed. Welcome to the STEM Music Podcast. This is a podcast where we like to highlight multicultural STEM professionals and the music they love. I'm your host, Roy Moy III, and today we have an incredible special guest on. She comes from the S in STEM. She holds a bachelor's in marine ecology and conservation and a master's in marine biology. And currently she's working um, uh, on her PhD, uh, studying environment and agriculture. Now she's an amazing Latina, well-regarded as a great TEDx speaker and regularly writes for Forbes Science. In fact, some of the articles she has written have gotten close to a million views, y'all. Like, music Nation, this is an incredible guest, I'm trying to tell you. She's actively engaged in research, exploration, communication, and application of scientific knowledge related to the conservation of marine ecosystems. Her research has been featured in BBC's 100 Women Tribute, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and Scholastic Books. And there's even more. Yes, there's more. She has a book series set to print in spring 2021 with Scholastic Books, which is incredible, y'all. She's the founder of the Fins United Initiative and has a podcast titled Conciencia Azul. Last but not least, and this is something we will get into in this episode, she has been featured on the Discovery Channel Shark Week in which she was bitten and dragged by a crocodile all while trying to study sharks, y'all. This is an incredible guest, STEM Music Nation. Will you please help me welcome Melissa Marquez to the podcast? Welcome, Melissa. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you. I am blushing from that intro.
0: <laughs> we got you, you are covered. Too sweet. No, you're so welcome. We, we want you to be on the podcast because your story and just how passionate you are about uh, STEM. Uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. So, welcome. Uh, we're going to jump right in and, and just kind of talk about uh, your journey as a, a young child. And so we're always highlighting, you know, the start of everyone's STEM journey on the STEM Music Podcast. And so I remember in our pre-interview, you were talking about, you know, age four, your love of animals. And so I believe that's a perfect entry point for you to let us know how you got into this whole STEM thing
1: yeah i mean ever since i was little i knew that i wanted to be a marine biologist Uh, and according to my parents and i remember this bit too uh when i was four i said i wanted to be a marine biologist now of course when you're a young kid everyone's like oh okay it's a phase like next week Uh you want to be a chef or a firefighter but mine stayed like i consistently wanted to be a marine biologist Uh, and i had perfect playground growing up to be able to kind of test that out which was my home island of puerto rico i mean i'm Mm -hmm. surrounded by water exactly so one of my favorite and actually first memories of my entire life is actually harassing hermit crabs
0: on Ah, the beach (laughs) wow
1: um let's just say many died um because of my very awful Aquarium skills in the beginning. Oh no! <laughs> um, but it taught me to be super, super interested in marine science and see these animals super close. Um, so that's really where it all started. Was my home island and just having this amazing playground to kind of play around, and of course the support of my parents, who were like, "If you want to be a marine biologist, go for it."
0: Sure thing. That, and that's incredible too, to have that support from your parents. Now you highlighted that you grew up a little bit in, in, in uh, Puerto Rico and I believe um, visiting Puerto Rico and also in Mexico as well. So. It's the music nation she's a latina she's mexican and puerto rican which is very special to me y'all because um if if you don't know i'm i happen to be half black but also half latino mexican and puerto rican so it's a whole mixture of things um and so to, <laughs> let's go boricua mexico viva latino like everything so it's it's so cool to have a guest and, and actually just meet somebody we were talking about this in the pre-interview who um is a mixture of being mexican and puerto rican you just don't really find that um you know that often so uh, we're very excited and also we're just gonna plug the super bowl halftime show we were just talking about yes. like we're recording <laughs> at the recording of this podcast it the, the super bowl just happened and and j and Shakira obviously did the, the halftime show and it was incredible incredible so um that's just our little burst of energy with latino culture and hopefully um i know this is going to inspire so many young latinas and we'll, we'll get to that point later in the podcast so uh, once again thank you for for coming on but yes like the support of, of having your parents. And so, um, I believe you had mentioned you had lived in uh, Mexico for some time as well. And so then you transitioned to the U S. So, um, tell us like how that journey was of, of maybe being, living in one context, one culture, and then coming to the States. I think you had mentioned when you were around seven or so, uh, that age. Mm -hmm. And, and what was that process like?
1: I mean, it's, it's a bit of a culture shock. Um, thankfully, you know, I was prepared and that my parents, uh, we actually were being taught English okay. at the time. So going into the States, it wasn't too big of a shock language-wise. Okay. Um, even though, you know, English is a really hard language to study yeah. and to learn. And so I messed up quite a bit and got bullied quite a bit because of it. Um I still actually have like a love-hate relationship with the state of Maryland, not because like anything that Maryland has done or anything mm-hmm. that's happened in Maryland. Sure. But I remember the answer to one of the questions in elementary school was Maryland. And I stood up super proud, being like, I know what this is and I said Maryland. Uh, because that's what it looks like.
0: Right, right, right.
1: But no, everyone starts giggling and I'm like And the teacher's like, oh, you mean Marilyn? And I'm like, coming in? What? That is not how you say that. But, you know, sure enough, it was. Um, I got teased so much because of it. Um, And so even with trying to fit in, you know, you still kind of stick out. Um, Mm. For another example... I am like many other Latinas and other cultures around the world. Um, I have a lot of body hair. Specifically, my arms are super fuzzy. And even in Mexico, I got teased about this a little bit too. But in the states, oh, it was absolutely. I. This brutal. is so
0: hilarious because it's like it, it's not hilarious to be teased about that, but it's like I, I'm obviously not a, a woman, but like like growing up and being black. I'm like, why mm. Why don't they have all this arm hair? You know, like, that's so crazy mm. that you're sick. See, so this is what I'm talking about. When you finally get to, like, talk with somebody who understands, like, what's going on, like, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things, like, for a really long time. And I think, like, even today, really, I know very few, like, Latinas who have as much arm hair as I do. And so I was super, super self-conscious about it for a really long time. Um, And you know what? I'll have to give a shout out to my mom because when I was a teenager, I really, really wanted to shave it. Mm -hmm. Thank God she didn't (laughs) let me shave it because it would have been such an upkeep and it would have just looked absolutely awful.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And you know, now I don't really mind. Like, you know, does it hurt when I have a bandaid on? Heck yes. Right, right. Other than that, it's just another part of me and the people that, are my friends and love me they don't you know judge me for it or they don't say anything about it
0: sure i mean and that you know and i'm glad you're saying that because it's like this uh it it may not have been in in something that i was thinking about regarding the podcast but like i I love that you're mentioning it because everybody goes through that doesn't matter what culture you come from or who you are like you're you go through things where um you don't necessarily like them when you're younger or you might get teased about certain things and you know but having to say you know what um, at, at, through this process, I'm going to have to learn how to persevere, you know, um, mm. even if it's not, uh, involving STEM or whatever, it's just like in general, just in general that, you know, help, kind of helps prepare you for the other things that you probably ended up facing as you, um, moved into the STEM, deeper into the STEM field. So no, thank you for sharing that. Cause I'm pretty sure, pretty sure there's other Latinos that can relate to that, uh, <laughs> myself included. So um yeah,
1: and you know, it's funny because like my mom and my grandmother, um, when I would tell them that I was getting teased about this, be like, Well, it'll it'll fall off, you know, with age, da da da. And you know, both my parents, um, or my mom and my grandmother, they don't have as much arm hair anymore. They have a little but not as much. And I would like point to mine and I'm like, No, I want it gone now. Yes. I don't want to wait until I'm like fifty or eighty for it to fall down. I have problems with it now. Right. So it was really hard for them to kind of like get it. And I, you know what? I'm sure that they were also teased with it at some point too. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to embrace those body imperfections. The same exact thing with my legs. I, oh my God, I wanted to shave from such a long or such a young age because I was just so fuzzy. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, it comes with our identidad. And I'm really glad that my mom kind of made me stick with it and embrace my body of
0: how it is sure thing sure thing man that's good stuff that's good stuff so um in regards to now now you're you know in the states you're growing you're you're getting through these phases of you know being bullied or teased and you're you're growing you know uh some of those skills to combat that and learning how to love yourself and so um i'm just curious in the sense of of the stem journey of how that began to progress. Because we go from, you know, you're age four to five and you're like, I love animals. And you're learning, you're playing with the, the, the uh, you know, animals and the crabs on the beach and all these different things. But how did that continue to grow as you went into middle and high school? Um, were you getting into certain classes? Were you, um, and by the way, where were you located like for middle high school? Were you, what, what state were you in at that time?
1: So I was in Florida at okay. that time. Okay. Um, and in high school, we had... We didn't have a marine biology class in high school just yet. Um, And obviously I was involved in biology and in physics and chemistry. Um, But the last final year uh, we could do dual enrollment. So going to high school um, in the morning and then in the afternoon going to a community college and the community college I went to Valencia had a marine biology class. Ah,
0: there you go. Perfect.
1: I was also really lucky as well to kind of have like an intro into marine biology through a program that's called sea trek and it actually still runs to this day i believe
0: okay cool. and
1: so for latinas we have the quinceanera where when you turn 15 you get this giant party yes i never wanted a giant party i actually wanted to travel um my parents when i was younger went to europe with me but obviously at 10 months old i remembered none of it <laughs> and so i was like i want to go back but uh the recession happened so we weren't able to do that so they were like what like what else do you want for your 15th
0: sure
1: and i was like well i want to know like i want to get my scuba diving license and they were like okay we, wow. we can work with that and so i was really really lucky um, and really fortunate that my parents worked their butts off Mm -hmm. to be able to get me um into a program that i actually lived aboard a boat for a few weeks wow Um, had a sail
0: wow um, but
1: also got my scuba diving license um so my open water advanced license and so through that i was able to do like my own science projects which i looked at coral bleaching um in regards to depth in the british virgin islands learned how to sail and also learned how to scuba dive to and really is, like nail all right
0: hm? no and i was just saying and this was all while you were still in high school
1: yeah this was wow. while in high school wow wow um and so that really like they were like all right we'll do this and we'll see actually if you want You know, if you want to be a marine biologist, you've been talking about being a marine biologist. We're going to put you in the field, see if this is actually what you want. Um, So it was not just a throwaway party that I could look at pictures years from now. It was actually a stepping stone into my career.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, And as soon as I came back, my parents basically were like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I never want to come back. (laughs) 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 I am a marine biologist. That is it. And that cemented it. So that marine biology course that I then took at the community college Mm -hmm. just continued furthering my step in there uh, because, you know, I didn't have a marine bio class in high school. Sure. Uh, So yeah, no, I was super lucky. Uh, Bless my dad because I didn't have a driver's license at the time. So he would actually take me to that university every single time I had that course, which was Mm. like every week for a few months. And because the course was like, far enough away that he couldn't drive back. He would actually sit in the library and do his own stuff and wait for me. Wow. Um, so yeah, where I am today, uh, I, I couldn't do it without my parents and their support. And I'm really, really lucky because I know a lot of people, regardless of culture,
0: mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. don't
1: have the support of their family. Right. Um, and mine have it in spades.
0: That is, that is incredible. That is really cool to have that parental support. Um, it, it just it makes a world of a difference. But I also want to highlight something that I think, you know, just for STEM Music Nation and, and everybody listening, especially those who might be in high school, just your uh, willpower, but not even willpower, mindset is really what I'm, I'm thinking of in the sense of saying, you know, I can have this quinceanera, you know, it's going to be, it would be awesome to have this party and have all the, all my friends there. And it's nothing against quince, quinceaneras if that's, you know, something that people want to do great. And, you know, cause some people might be able to do both things or whatever, but for mm. you to just have the mindset to say, you know, I really, I really want to dive into this, uh, for, for lack of a better terms or whatever, but I want to, I want to experience and see if this is something that, uh, I really want to do professionally and, and do f- as a career. And just at that age, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, man, you know, in high school, that's really, really cool. And to get your uh, scuba license and, and you know, just to begin to prepare yourself to take those steps to go um, further into college, which is obviously what you ended up doing. And so um, I guess segueing into that for, for your uh, collegiate career, at least for bachelor's, Um, how did you end up making that decision? You know, what school do you wanted to go to? Was it a scholarship sort of situation? Did you pay work and pay? Like, just describe that journey of, um, you know, transitioning, were you first generation, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, uh, so I ended up going to school for my bachelor's degree in Sarasota, Florida. I went to New College of Florida and that had been my dream school for a little while. Okay. Um, Not because, and it's really funny, my like dad likes to joke it's because they don't have grades if they have a pass or fail grading uh, system, but i liked it because it was a written evaluation you got at the end of the semester from your teachers so like for me who really struggles with math I didn't want a grade of being like, well, you passed this many tests and you failed this many tests. My teachers actually saw me improve throughout the year and they commented on that. And that's why I passed because I improved the overall sort of stuff. Gotcha. Um, So it's that kind of environment. And also in Januarys we have um, what they call independent student projects or ISPs where you get to create your own student project do research and have that kind of research knowledge and skills. So by the time you graduate this school, you've kind of have like four student projects under your belt.
0: Wow, that is- Including
1: a senior thesis.
0: That's incredible. Like actually just hearing that, I'm like, man, cause 'cause you're getting the real experience and you're creating it, right? You're not like being told like, this is what you need to study or this is what you need to do. And I'm, you know, a lot, we all have, you know, people who've gone to college or, you know, gotten a bachelor's, you, you usually have group projects and all that stuff, but um, that sounds really unique in a sense of creating it yeah. and saying, you know, for every year, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's really self-motivated and whatnot too. Like you have to do the work, you have to sure. sit down with the professors, show them what you're going to do, your methods, the results that you want. Um, and then of course you show them the end result as well. Um, so I absolutely love that. And I thought it would kind of get me ahead of the game because marine biology is a very competitive uh field like many uh science okay. uh, industries and so i thought it would kind of give me an edge but also i just love the idea of being able to be in charge of a project and do things sure um so for those isps um the first two were shark related uh, i went to the bahamas to the bimini shark lab um, and then the second one, I actually went to South Africa to study great white sharks. Wow. Uh, which actually ended up being like the overall theme for my, uh, senior thesis that I ended up doing. The third one, um, I ended up actually doing on the Florida scrub jay, but I was working with GIS, which is what I wanted to learn, a skill I wanted to learn. Uh, okay. so that's why I kind of like abruptly switched.
0: And what was but GIS?
1: Uh, GIS is like a mapping tool, um, as best as I can describe it. So essentially you can, you have all of these layers of data, um, and the layers can come up with different bits of a map. Um, and it's really interactive. It's really difficult. I remember some of the skills. I'm a bit rusty. (laughs) Sure,
0: sure, sure. No, I think a friend Uh, of mine was telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's really, really good.
0: That is so, so were those like funded via the school? Cause you're going to South Africa, you're going to the Bahamas, which I know the Bahamas is close to Florida, but like, wh- how, how did that process work of like getting there and like all of that?
1: So one of the nice things about the school too, is that it doesn't have scholarships. Um, okay. And so me getting into the school is actually through the bright future scholarship okay. um, that Florida has. So good grades um, being involved in community service and whatnot, allowed it to pay for um, the majority of my tuition, if not there all of go. it. Um, and then for those individual projects, um, we had small grants that people, uh, donors would actually give money to support these kind of projects, um, in the school. And then us as students, it was almost like a mini grant application where you would apply for X amount of money and whatnot. And so I applied for those mini grants and I got them both times. Um, so thankfully I didn't really have to pay anything out of pocket. Um, and when I- wasn't doing that. Uh, I also had a job. Um, okay. I had two jobs. So I worked at retail for a little bit, uh, but I was also one of the student tour guides for the school.
0: Okay. Oh, I could definitely see that. You're definitely personable and yeah, that, that, I could see that. Um, that's really great. And I think that's something that I want to highlight for STEM Music Nation right now is just um, being able to be aware of your resources, you know? Um, I think you said Mm. it was called Bright Futures, is that what that program was called? So for any students, I'm assuming that's still going on now, Yeah, I
1: think it's changed of the structure, but I believe Bright Futures is still a very big thing. So if you're a student in Florida, definitely check that out.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say, you know, and even if you're in other states, you know, um, I know I had, uh, I I grew up in the state of Missouri and there was something called A+, which I think would take care of um, your first two years of of, uh, community college if you went that route. And then I know Tennessee Promise, my cousin's, I'm working with them to try and uh, get them into Tennessee Promise in the state of Tennessee where, you know, uh, community college two years paper. So, I mean, there's just different options out there for especially those who might be listening, who might be um, high school students trying to make that transition. Obviously, there's the traditional scholarships, but, um, you know, programs like that in different states, you know, and especially we're highlighting Florida in this in regards to that bachelor. So um, that's actually pretty impressive to be a, a college student. And obviously, you're in love with this marine biology, that's what you want to do. And so you're getting a chance to go to the Bahamas to South Africa and study um, sharks. And so, uh, you know, we read in the bio at the beginning that, you know, you ended up to go on to get your master's. And so one of the things to music nation, you should know about this podcast interview, is that, uh melissa is halfway around the ro- world from where i'm at <laughs> <laughs> so um, right now i'm gonna say my time locally and then i want you to share your time locally so my time locally here in wichita kansas is 4 55 p.m central time and what's your time <laughs>
1: 6 55 a.m the next day out of perth australia
0: perth australia so y'all stem music nation we have someone who is living in Perth, Australia right now on the podcast, which is pretty incredible. Um, And so I know you stopped somewhere else prior to Australia to, you know, get your master's. And So tell us about that journey of you go through bachelor's, you're doing these awesome research um, projects, studying sharks in these multiple international locations. And then what was that deciding factor of like, okay, maybe I could go to, you know, industry right now, or, you know, maybe I want to go get my master's to kind of, how you ended up you know choosing the location to go and like just everything regarding that process
1: yeah so i thought there there's some people that go from a bachelor's straight to a phd okay. and i thought because of the education that I received in new college that maybe that was a possible venue for me Uh, but nobody wanted that like none of the people that I reached out to were keen on that idea they were just like oh no I'll get a master's first and then we'll talk so I started applying for master's opportunities and it was very much a you need a project before you apply but you also need the money and it's like but I need to have a project approved by the school before i start being able to get money so it was very much chicken for the egg thing
0: gotcha so
1: in the united states i got nothing like mm. i was rejected from so many schools and i started feeling really discouraged wow um, and i had no idea what i was going to do um i actually was working retail at one point and i used to have like nightmares of me just working in retail until i was like 80 something
0: oh my goodness it like kept me up
1: at night and i had like a really bad existential crisis almost in a way uh but i found this amazing master's opportunity through social media through facebook actually okay uh and it was someone who said that their advisor was looking for a master's student in regards to looking at habitat use of chimeras now to back it up and give a little bit of scientific context. uh, The group that sharks are in collectively is known as chondrichthians. And chondrichthians include sharks, stingrays and skates, which skates are kind of like a stingray looking animal. And then you've got these chimeras, which are usually deep sea animals that look a little bit funky. Um, They come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, Some of them have been in international news because one of them actually looks like zero from oh. The Nightmare Before Christmas, huh. um, which is really, really cute. It's one of my favorites. Um, and they're just really odd looking animals and there's not that much about, them, like, known about them. Okay. Um, so I applied for this and there was a stipend and a scholarship involved as well. And so I was like, I'll apply for it. I know it's technically for Kiwis, but let me go ahead and apply for it. And I never in a million years thought I was gonna get it. Sure. Uh, specifically because it was in New Zealand.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Well, I ended up, like, long story short, I ended up getting it. I Congrats, woke up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning to an email being like, you're in. Wow. Congrats, you're, like, moving to New Zealand. And I was like, oh, that's, amazing. Oh, that's the farthest I've ever lived from my family.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Right.
1: Um, and, you know, I talked to my parents about it. I was just like, you, I, I made it. I got it in. Um, and it just felt like too good of an opportunity to pass it up. Sure. Um, and so, you know, packed up my bags, went to New Zealand, uh, and spent a year there studying my master's essentially. Uh, it was really tough. My master's taught me so much, not just scientifically, but about myself and my own resilience. Uh, I ended up working because I was an international student and international fees had to be paid um thankfully the stipend paid off most of them um Mm -hmm. there was still a little bit left over uh and that meant that essentially because the stipend had paid off those international student fees i had no money so i had to get a job gotcha new zealand's quite expensive Uh, so i ended up essentially getting two jobs Uh, i was a short order chef and i also worked as a receptionist uh, in the weekends not including of course me also doing stuff with like Finns united and trying to be social which didn't work that well
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: so by the end of that year i really burned out um i hit like a low point after my master's of just being like
0: Whew, okay, Yeah, and what so, do i do now and so that was a year-long program that yeah because i know sometimes masters are like two years or one year okay yeah so it was a year long yeah
1: so mine was just a year long like research program like i didn't have classes or anything like that which kind of compounded the whole being in a new country not making any new friends or anything like that because i didn't really get to see anybody
0: right right
1: um and so yeah it was it was really really tough but i loved new zealand and i to this day i still love new zealand it's a bit too cold for me okay but um it's absolutely gorgeous and the pictures do it no justice whatsoever uh and it's a really special place uh, and i'm it holds definitely gonna have to go out there
0: sometime heart. that's awesome yeah
1: yes it's g- gorgeous absolutely gorgeous um and so after a little time my visa finished mm-hmm. and i was like well i don't want to go back to the states just yet um I really want to try to get my PhD, but I think I'd have a better shot here, like in the Pacific. Okay. Uh, so let me move over to Australia on a working holiday visa and see if I can get something. Now I moved to Sydney cause I thought, well, first I love Sydney. It has such a special place in my heart. Um, but also I, um, I thought I would get a, a PhD opportunity there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I ended up not being able to get that. But, social media again came through and a person who is a good friend and also a mentor and now also one of my advisors she knew what kind of phd project i was looking for and trying to get my mind around she was like well i know some of the professors here at this university um who have the skills that you are kind of looking for why don't we have a chat with them and see if there's anything we can wrestle up uh and that's how i made my move from sydney to perth
0: Wow. And man, and what I what I love about this story already is just, you know, for for those listening and even for myself, um, you know, from you going from bachelor's uh, to your master's and master's now to being in a Ph.D. program those opportunities came from social media, from Facebook, from, you know, Instagram Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so it's like, I just, you know, remind the audience the Music Nation, like, let's just, you know, continue to keep that at the forefront is that like, we use these uh, social media sites for entertainment or leisure time or connecting with family members and friends and stuff. And that's great, like, that's what they're for. But also at the same time, just being aware, you know, of these incredible opportunities that you can find um, that Melissa has uh, so graciously shared with us. that 's incredible you know and and I love the story of the the resilience right you know I think it 's a good thing to highlight the rejection you know a lot of times in especially you know being in the stem industry and and maybe being some you know a multicultural person, a diverse person, a black and brown person um, within the stem industry, you may run into that, and so just the persistence of of and perseverance of like oh man i 'm not getting into anything it's like no but my love for marine biology is what you're saying It's like i want to do this and i know that i can do this and you know because of the support of your parents you just kept on going and and you're in a phd program and you're still going and and making great progress even though you know there are rough parts and and parts that were hard and you were at the end of your rope going through that you know finishing that master's program but um i just want to make sure i'm highlighting that because that's incredible you know That you're gonna you're gonna run into challenges, you're gonna run into hard times, but perseverance and belief, even just the belief of you saying, like, nah, I've been saying this since I was four years old, seven years old, like (laughs) I gotta get this taken care of and being resourceful, being aware um, of of you know, like your surroundings regarding social media and, and not just being on there for fun, but also being like, hey, there might be opportunities and also being bold enough to say, you know what, I might have to go somewhere else for the opportunity. Right. Like sometimes that can be, um, you know, a, a scary thing to do or just like maybe maybe something that, you know, people might not always think about is having to, you know, go a different uh, to a different location. So, um, man, incredible. Like, thank you so much for sharing that this portion of, of your journey with us. So um, now now being in this uh, Ph.D. program, I, I'd love for you to talk about the creation of it, because when we were talking in the pre-interview. I guess I was not familiar with that this was a possibility, which once again speaks to just the character of who you are. So kind of talk to us about the creation of it um, and maybe what what you're doing right now. You had mentioned like research in the Indian Ocean, like kind of what your role is right now regarding the PhD.
1: Yeah. So kind of like I said, uh, one of my mentors, uh, she reached out and said, look, I know these two professors at this university, they have skills that uh, are similar to what you want to do. Why don't we chat with them uh, and see if we can wrestle anything up for you, like a project. Uh, And I got in touch with the two professors that I'm with right now. And I told them, look, I really want to do a PhD. These are the credentials that I have. I'm really passionate about uh, shark habitat use, but also looking at a very key, important part of conservation that a lot of people end up forgetting, which is us humans. Mm. Uh, And so looking at our relationship with these animals, uh, the good and the bad, and how that kind of affects and impacts these animals. And so they were like, okay, what kind of skills do you want out of this PhD? And I'm like, well, by the end of it, I... would preferably like to have these skills and I listed them out um, and they were like right well we've got some projects that we're actually doing right now that are similar to what uh, you are kind of looking at um, and we can expand on those projects um, we can add a little bit here and there we've got a data set that you could possibly work with let's see what we've got and it was months months of Skype calls while they're in Perth and I'm in Sydney sure. uh, back and forth emails of us trying to figure something out and essentially we've custom created this PhD program, which is why I'm so passionate and excited about it because it's for me and it's everything that I absolutely love. Uh, is everything going to happen according to plan? No. Cause you <laughs> yeah. know how PhDs or anything goes, Right, uh, you've got one plan and you've got to have backup plans B through Z over there. Uh, but it, it just fills me with so much passion and it's such a multidisciplinary project, which I absolutely love. So I'm looking at habitat use of sharks. So figuring out why they are, where they are in uh, okay. certain key points here in the Indian Ocean, because uh, on this side of Australia, we were in the Indian Ocean, whereas in Sydney, I was in the Pacific. Okay. Uh, yeah. So looking at the Indian Ocean habitat use of sharks, uh, both using marine techs, such as baited remote underwater video cameras or BRUGS, uh, and also using drones, which I'm very excited to be using. Uh, <laughs> and also using pre-existing data sets um, of drone footage as well as grub footage. And then flipping over to that, uh, once I kind of look at the habitat use, so figuring out where these sharks are, figuring out if there's people there and how they feel about these sharks, is it a positive relationship, is it a negative relationship, sure. what are the... Um, factors that kind of influence someone's perception of these animals and how do our attitudes towards these animals impact the success of management or conservation initiatives
0: wow that is that's incredible that's incredible you know and i I was watching a a interview you had you done because y'all like she's a star like don't let her fool you she's a a star out here (laughs) in these in these oceans should i say um Uh, for her love for sharks. Um, But I I love what you had said, because I I guess I'm indifferent. Like I've I've never really been, I've been to, you know, to an ocean before, but like, I don't spend a lot of time, you know, I'm landlocked, obviously. So in Kansas. So, um, you know, my relationship with sharks is like distant, right? Like I'm not, Mm. you know, day to day thinking about it. So I'm I'm like kind of indifferent, you know, I'm like, they're animals and I love animals as well. Like we used to, we used to get, my siblings and I used to get Smithsonian books all the time. So we'd be like learning about like sea lions and elephants and (laughs) otters, whatever, like just all these different animals. So um, I've always been interested in them as well. And I really didn't grow up with media, like TV Mm. or movies and stuff like that. So I didn't see Jaws. Like I I don't have that kind of like, you know, context. But when you were on this show, I think the interviewer was asking, or saying like yeah well how can we how can we get the sharks um, away from you know where the tourists are in Australia or something like that and and I loved your answer because it made me think too you were like well <laughs> this is like their actual natural habitat so why do, so I kind of want you to just you know touch on that uh, and maybe share that perspective because a lot of times um, I think, you know, most people, I'm not going to say all, oh, but like most people are kind of thinking about it that way, right? Like, how can we get them mm. away so we can surf without dying or getting bit or so we can do whatever we want to do? Um, sim- similar to deforestation, right? Like, well, we, I need to build this building. Like, these, and these animals are in my backyard. Why are they here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I find really interesting that... There's something I'll back up uh, because I actually talk about this a little bit in part of my um, PhD that there's a mindset of humankind's right to leisure, which is basically written out in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights back in 1948. That humans have a right to leisure,
0: Ah. which
1: it seems like that's starting or has been taking precedence over a species right to live in its very own environment. Mm. Um, if you think about it, very similar to kind of like what you just said of us putting up these, uh, shark nets or, um, Oh, so people, people put up shark nets. Like
0: that. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. There's,
1: there's, um, mesh nets around certain beaches. Um, here in Australia, it's quite popular, um, oh, wow. to keep these animals out. Um, unfortunately, uh, the mesh is quite big, so other animals, not just sharks, get caught up in them um, oh, okay. so i 'm not exactly the biggest fan of them because they 're quite non discriminatory but it's one of those things of like you know those those animals belong in that ocean just sure. as much as the sharks do sure we don't need to be in the in the ocean like a small percentage of us do because a lot of um, people do rely on the ocean for their um, livelihoods okay but for the rest of us we're going to the beach for fun, for leisure. We don't have to be in the ocean. Whereas if you take those animals out of their home, they don't have anywhere else to go. So our want to be somewhere is starting to trump their need to be in that environment. Um, And so I don't think that's right. I think when we go into any wilderness space, we need to realize that we're going into another animal's main domain and we have to respect that. Uh, and unfortunately, when you are going into someone else's domain or another animal's domain, there is a small risk, however small it is, it is still a risk, um, that you are going to have an encounter with this wildlife, be it a positive one or be a negative one. Sure. Uh, so that's something that I think a lot of people forget when they go into the ocean. Um, it doesn't matter the animal that you run into, you might run into anything from a really cute fish to a shark, Um, you kind of have to have it in the back of your mind that they have a bigger right to be there than we do because that's their home
0: that is that's such a great point and you're like you're perfectly leading the podcast so go ahead (laughs) I I need to I need to insert some applause right there because you're leading it right into uh, the story that I want to bring up that obviously I talked about at the beginning um, that just happened last year in regards to having an encounter with you know certain kind of animals when you go into the ocean and so Um, the story being you being bit by a crocodile and, and it's like, well, she's a shark lover. She's studying sharks. So how did that happen? That sort of thing, but being bit by it, I, I watched, you know, several, uh, interviews or one in particular where you were kind of describing that story. So I'd love for you to tell STEM Music Nation all about that whole experience, um, how it happened. I definitely think there's some key points in there. Uh, that could save some lives of people listening to this podcast. So uh, go ahead and just dive right in and and tell us all about how that came about, you being on the Discovery Channel um, and that whole journey.
1: Yeah, so I was really excited uh, because to back it up, I did a TEDx talk back in 2017 about women and in the shark science um, and kind of did a little funny thing of uh women in shark science are really really cool but you don't really see them in the media and female sharks are really really cool but you normally don't hear about them in the media either uh and it got to one of the people one of the representatives of discovery channel uh who said apparently they really liked it and they wanted me on an upcoming show that was based out of cuba and so it was i mean I after that call, I think I called my mom jumping up and down. Yeah, like that's incredible.
0: (laughs) And it was a good it was a very, by the way, y'all go look up her TED talk. Um, It was very entertaining and great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was one of those things. I mean, I grew up. Um, watching Shark Week, okay, and so okay. to now I kind of like come full circle, being like, yes, like now I'm on the very show that I absolutely like fell in love with, um, was such a highlight for me. And so we went to Cuba, and part of it, um, my team, which was led by Dr. Tristan Guttridge and I, um, we were looking for a big hammerhead in the southern part of Cuba. Okay, and so while we were looking for um, one of the areas that Hammerheads could be is in mangroves because one of their favorite foods stingrays are there.
0: Oh wow! Okay. And so
1: we went into um, the mangroves at night, and there was a crocodile, an American crocodile. Uh, Now, we knew the crocodile, like we had seen it around and whatnot, so we decided to do some filming with it. Uh, And during this dive, the mask that I had, because it's not like a regular snorkel and scuba diving setup, it's a full-on mask that has a microphone. Okay. Uh, It started acting up, so I couldn't hear the crew, um, but I thought maybe they could hear me. So I let them know, like, hey, I I can't hear you guys. And towards the end of the dive, after the crocodile had left, uh, my buddy, my dive buddy next to me said, hey... I'm like we're done for the dive we're going up and I said perfect so we were both kneeling down so we're, he's on my left and he crosses in front of me and I waited a few extra seconds because if I went up at the same time he did his fins would hit my face in the mask and I didn't want that to happen right right so in those few seconds I suddenly felt something like a really hard pressure clamp down on my leg and I started getting dragged backwards away oh from gosh. the studio lights and stuff like that. Um, wow. It's funny because when I talk to people about this situation, they're just like, what did you do next?
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I started going through my head very methodically of what was happening. I was like, right, okay, I can't believe this is happening, right? It's not a shark because sharks don't bite this way, so it's probably a crocodile, right? Don't move your leg because if you move your leg, it's going to bite down even harder or it might do a death roll and that's not good. And like, And it, it was really interesting like how quickly my – mine kind of went into a list and I've talked to other people who have been bitten by sharks or bitten by other animals mm-hmm. and they kind of go through a same process as well. And it's like time sort of slowed down for me. So it mm. felt like minutes for me, wow. but all of this went down in like a few short seconds in a way of sure. it very slowly driving me backwards. Um, me keeping my legs still um, and eventually, because I was in... I, I like to think that it's because I stayed still and also because I had a neoprene suit on, so a wetsuit. Okay. Really weird texture. Um, and it, the mouth of a crocodile, like many other animals, uh, is highly sensitive to texture. So it probably was like, oh, this does not feel or taste like what I sure. normally eat. And it just spat me out.
0: Wow. My goodness. Um, like, that just yeah, sounds so crazy. <laughs> that sounds so... But And just the fact of you staying calm enough and go and almost like it sounds like um because you know i'm in the aerospace world so it almost sounds like a pilot in the sense of like okay gotta go through the checklist da, 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 what do we you know and then like you were kind of doing that in you know this compressed amount of time of like okay what is this and the fact that you're like okay it's not a, it can't be a shark it's probably gonna be a crocodile because like that's incredible that your mind was doing that in that moment
1: yeah and it's funny because a lot of people are like how are you able to stay so calm and i'm like i don't know <laughs> like don't put me in that situation again, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. My mind kind of just, just, just did that. And for a lot of people uh, it turns out it's kind of that way for them too.
0: Sure. Uh, so was it a lot so, you of, know, when you got up to the surface swimming back up, like how did, how did it all end?
1: I just, I mean, I shot straight up uh, okay. cause I couldn't see my leg at that point. It like, it really, really hurt, but I didn't know if I still had it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And so I shot straight up. And there was enough confusion from everyone being like, where were you? Like, what's going on? To um, at this point, I like, I think I was going into shock because I don't remember everything. Like, mm. I've seen it now because we had like the raw footage. So I was able to see everything. Wow. Um, I don't know if I said I got bit or I got dragged. But the point got across that something was wrong. Sure. And that I like got bit. And they were able to get me out and take care of me. Um, now you do see the aftermath on the show. Uh, you see me, you don't get, see me getting bit. Uh, you see my GoPro being like dragged across the sand as I was being dragged across.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. But
1: you see the after of me getting like pulled up uh, of the medic, uh, my h- Hudson, absolutely being a beast and taking care of everything. Wow. Uh, and when we When I knew that this show was gonna air that bit, uh, it was really important to me, and also to the producers and everyone else in the crew, to let the audience know that, A, we had done all of the safety things correctly. It was literally just a freak accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You can prepare for everything and things happen. Um, But also, I personally, and no one else um, either, blamed the crew nor the crocodile. I think what ended up happening was the crocodile was really overwhelmed by how many people there was in the water and that there was a bright light when it's supposed to be dark. Right. Probably got disoriented, went away uh, to the floor, uh, to the ocean floor to kind of like chill out and reorient itself. It bumped into my leg and it did what's called an exploratory bite and sharks do it too. Uh, where you kind of take a little bit of a nibble to figure out if something's food or to figure out what something is. And when it figured out that I wasn't food, it spat me out. Uh, The problem is with these exploratory bites, again, very similar to sharks, their teeth are designed to go through blubber, through bone, through muscle, through sting. I mean, like not through us, like through shells sometimes. Mm. And so a small bite for them can be fatal to us because our bodies are not constructed for that,
0: right? Right, um,
1: so I don't blame the crocodile whatsoever, it was doing its what it's supposed to do in its own natural habitat, right? Um, and I'm actually really happy that uh, his name is Tito, the name of the crocodile. And oh, you Tito did okay, still in the mangroves. Chilling. Oh, wow, no, like, Tito, Tito had the name before.
0: Oh, wow, I had
1: our little run in, okay? Um, so it was really funny because <laughs> afterwards, a lot of my like friends when they came to see me. While I was recovering, were giving me Tito vodka.
0: Oh I have my a God. lot
1: of Tito vodka.
0: <laughs> Tito, wow, that's what an incredible story that you're able to tell. I'm certainly glad that it ended well. Um, but like to your to what you were just saying prior to sharing the story that you know you were in its natural habitat um, and and kind of uh, you know things like that can happen um and also to the credit i think also what you were saying you know you said that you guys followed all the procedures and everything like that but even your reaction and then you said the people you talked to uh, their reaction maybe maybe some of the people you talked to aren't uh, marine biologists or anything like that but i think your reaction and this is just my take my personal opinion like speaks to your knowledge of what you were doing and also like the safety factors and everything that you guys had um kind of went through you know because you had the knowledge to say, like, oh, it's probably this or it's probably that, you know, versus mm. just some random person in the, you know, and, and if it was a random person, maybe they shouldn't have been there, you know, but you guys were methodically going through, you know, steps and process and you had stuff planned out. So, um, to that credit, I feel like that explains, like, yeah, like leave it to the professionals, leave it to the people who study these um, animals uh, to, to be able to do things like that. So, um, that being said, yeah, I mean, oh, and it's, go ahead.
1: it's one of those things where like, you know, I, I don't study crocodiles, um, but because I study predators, I, they very similarly follow right. a similar pattern. Um, and it's funny because for me, what worked was essentially playing dead. Uh, but other experts actually say, you know, when you do get bit by a crocodile, you should fight back. It's very similar to with like sharks. Um, you get an array of people being like, well, you should punch them in the snout or the eye. And it's like, have you ever punched anything underwater? Like, you're very <laughs> slow. Yeah, and if you punch them in the snout, the chances are you're going to miss and you might go into their mouth which is worse because there's teeth there wow Um, and then trying to hit them in their eye i mean that's such a small target and so for me i always tell people you know go for the gills instead so there's a lot there we go
0: that's some practical advice (laughs) y'all
1: yeah i know right there you go (laughs) what to do if you ever get bit by a shark that's good to know for real Yeah, But it's, you know, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of uh, tips on how to protect yourself. Um, and I, and I, I think, do think one of those things is if you go into one of these animals environments, you should read up on that and figure out, okay, how can I better protect myself?
0: Sure. And I think like you're leaning right into the next thing I wanted to jump into, which is Fins United Initiative. Cause I believe that with this organization that you're, you're, you created, I believe, um, is to kind of do some of that right doing what you're doing right now educating um you know people in and and talking about uh sharks and, and animals of the such so kind of dive into that and let us know about finn's united initiative why that was created like what, what's everything that's uh, going yeah so on with
1: when that. i was back in new college um be, living in sarasota bay it kind of surprised me that a lot of residents didn't realize that there were sharks in sarasota bay uh and so i started going to classrooms to do talks about sharks you know their importance what kind of sharks are in sarasota bay uh and when i would go back home to orlando uh for like the breaks and whatnot my mom would get me in touch with my old teachers with my brother's teachers and i would do the talks there they then told their teacher friends and they told their teacher friends and it kind of just grew. Sure. And so I would do everything from like, I'd go. I mean, I would drive all around Florida. Um, my mom would sometimes drive me around. My dad would sometimes drive me around. Um, I would do Skype calls or uh, Google Chat calls with um, with other classes. And eventually, I came up with a website where I started highlighting all the different sharks and little facts about them in a way that was appealing to the general public because the information that I'm putting on my website, it's out there. It's just usually in a site that has a bunch of jargon that people don't want to read.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so
1: I'm trying to make it a little bit more fun and accessible. But one of the things that was important to me uh, is it highlights back to diversity mm-hmm. uh, of not just the sharks that we see and we know about. Cause when you think of a shark, okay. If I say shark, what's your immediate thought? of a shark species
0: uh the great white shark
1: yeah that's like most people yeah there's over 500 different species of sharks
0: alone wow wow and And actually that makes sense because i i I, we had to do something with dog sharks in like summer school of seventh grade or something like i do remember that and i was like this is a shark because i was thinking like sharks are like these big huge animals
1: yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of different species of sharks. So they're scared of just the word shark because they think of these, you know, the normal looking sharks or the stereotypical looking sharks. But there's really cute sharks out there. People are like, wait, what? (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me show you this picture of like an epaulette shark, which is one of the walking sharks that we have here in Australia. And people are like, that's adorable. I'm like, yes, that's a shark. And you're supposedly afraid of it. And they're like, no, it's adorable. So. I wanted to highlight the diversity of sharks. So people, when they think about a shark, they're not automatically filled with dread. Sure. Um, But on top of that, I wanted to highlight the diversity of people that study sharks. So one of the things that I talked about in my TEDx talk, uh, but also I've talked about in other podcasts and other interviews, is that growing up watching shows, uh, nature documentaries and whatnot, I never saw a female presenter. I never Mm. saw a female scientist on TV, let alone a female shark scientist, let alone one that was Latina. Right, right. I was like, so
0: that's a lot of things to get to. Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah. And I never saw that. And so I, you know, here's me saying I want to be a marine biologist. And I'm in the back of my head, I'm thinking, can I actually even do this? Because there's no one like me doing it that I can see. And that's not saying, you know, that there weren't people doing that. It's just to a person via media, yes. you can't see that. Right. Um, and I didn't want that to happen to other people who are interested in shark science. I wanted them to have a lineup of researchers doing an array of research, not even just on sharks, but like on those stingrays and those skates I talked about earlier, or the chimeras, different sciences within this structure of the chondricksians. And I wanted to be able to see that lineup and at least point one person out that looked like them. Uh, and that's why I ended up doing the behind the Fins series of interviewing all these people that work with sharks in some capacity, uh, be it photographers, uh, writers, be it PhD students, master students, uh, habitat ecologists, geneticists, you name it, it's on there uh, because I wanted people to have that diversity and that inclusion. Um, and so, quite a lot of the, at least the main profiles of both the scientists and also the sharks are available in English and in Spanish. Uh, and most of the site as well, um, is able to be translated. Uh, so
0: I love that people can
1: learn about these animals in their own language.
0: That's, that's incredible. And, and just the fact of, being able to show, I mean, that's, that's what the STEM music podcast is all about as well as just highlighting STEM, you know, multicultural STEM professionals, you know, people who are out here in the world, scientists, engineers, you know, um, people in technology who are coming from different, different backgrounds. And so, um, you know, you being a Latina in STEM, in science, in marine biology, and how many other young girls, just like the young girls that were watching JLo and Shakita in the halftime show, you know, they're going to be able to be like, oh, wait, like, I'm listening to somebody who is a Latina in STEM, in science, in marine biology. I can go look up, you know, at the FINS United Initiative website and and find these different videos of of multicultural people studying sharks. Um, And and I love that you're doing that for your niche, for what it is that you're, I I have a, a phrase that I love to say, do what you can with what you have, where you're at. And you're doing that. You're doing exactly that. Um, and just being able to encourage other young girls, other young Latina girls, you know, that, Hey, this is something that you can do. I'm doing it. You're paving the way for like so many, um, other young girls. And, and I love that. And you actually mentioned something that the, the site was in, uh, English and in Spanish. And so we had talked about, you know, I wanted to do part of this podcast interview and we're bringing it to a close because we're going to talk about the music in a second, y'all it's coming, it's coming. You know, we always got to do that, but, um, I wanted to uh, definitely uh, maybe try and ask some questions in Spanish. So y'all, the Music Nation, um, I do speak a little bit of Spanish, not fluent, um, but I wanted to see if we could get a, a little piece of conversation in Spanish for our listeners who happen to be Latino as well. So um, we're going to jump into that portion. Y'all forgive me if there are some crazy pronunciations going on, but I'm going to try and get it right. So um, Es el tiempo para una conversación en español en este podcast. Se llama The STEM Music Podcast. Entonces, mi primera pregunta es, ¿qué consejos les darías a alguien interesado en STEM? Para los niños o estudiantes, todo.
1: Mi mayor consejo sería que no dejes que las opiniones de las gentes te desanimen. Sigue tu pasión. Eh, ponte en las redes sociales como Twitter y Instagram y Facebook Porque hay oportunidades ahí para hablar con otras personas Y hay oportunidades ahí para estudiar también Así que es muy importante que si tú amas algo No dejes que otras personas te dicen Pues tú no puedes hacer eso Porque si tú crees que tú lo puedes hacer Lo puedes hacer
0: Perfecto, perfecto, me gusta mucho Sí, sí, tú puedes, tú puedes, sí se puede uh, mi uh, segunda pregunta es ¿Cuál ha sido tu experiencia Siendo una mujer trabajando En STEM? Y por favor En español, pero inglés también
1: Al principio era Bastante solitario por Ser una mujer y que estudiaba los tiburones Porque en mis clases de verdad No había muchísimas personas ahí Y mujeres ahí eh, Que querían hacer lo que Yo estaba haciendo, así que Ahora es mejor. Eh, tenía que eh, tener experiencias con racismo y sexismo. Mm. Pero ahora es mejor. Y ahora de verdad me, me encanta mucho. Eh, no, todo no, no es perfecto. Pero este um, hay personas ahí y yo tengo una red de apoyo de amigos y amigas buenísimas. Sí. Que cuando necesito ayuda están ahí y me dan la ayuda. Eh, yo tengo... Profesores sí. eh, y mentores increíbles
0: que me han a ayudar, um, qué bueno. también. Qué bueno, qué bueno, sí. Um, so, in, so in English, in English yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in English, basically, that's oh my gosh, we're doing great. Woo, I'm really talking about myself. You, you, awesome. you got this. It's thank great. you, thank you. We got one more. But in English, the, so the question I was asking for those who who just only speak English is, um, what's your what's her experience like as uh, a woman in STEM? So studying sharks, as she said, tiburones, like. What is that like? So go ahead and answer that in English.
1: Yeah, so it's been really lonely um, the first couple of years just because there weren't that many uh, women in my marine biology classes or in my like uh, shark science classes. Uh, but thankfully, you know, that has kind of changed uh, thanks to social media. Yeah. Uh, getting that group of support, um, seeing all those amazing women, uh, many of them that I actually highlight in my TEDx talk, Um, behind me that last slide there's I mean all of those are friends which is really really nice um but you know it it was tough at first because I dealt with racism Mm. with sexism uh with ageism actually as
0: well okay wow um
1: kind of breaking into uh this career but I'm really lucky that you know I've got a good support system in my family and my friends uh I've got mentors and I've got professors that believe in me and helped motivate me so I'm, I'm really grateful for everyone who's kind of been a part of my journey because without them, I wouldn't be where I am today.
0: No, that's perfect, yeah. And, and you know, cause I, I like that you're, you're sharing it and I, and I asked the question because sometimes, you know, I, I see you as somebody just from talking to you and your character, you're not somebody who's like, oh my gosh, I woke up in the morning, I'm Latina, oh, woe is me, that's not how you live your life. And so, but I, I want to make sure that I do highlight that people like you and myself, like we do actually run against um racism in in moments like that in either in our childhood through our careers whatever and so it's a real thing so i just don't want people to feel like you hear this incredible story and think that you didn't have to you know experience certain things and you did um know, so i love that you're able to to speak on that and share that so thank you thank you for that um and just to show that like you you experienced it, you but you you turn to your circle, you turn to your support, which is you know we can't do it alone, you know, and we that's something we all have to know, um, and you were able to get that support to encourage you to move forward. So um, love that, love that. Okay, last question uh, in Spanish: ¿Qué te inspiró a comenzar tu podcast Conciencia Azul?
1: <laughs> Conciencia Azul. Eh, yo vi en en las personas que estaban comunicando la ciencia, sí. hay más personas que se ven diferente, pero no es inclu- incluido. Así que es más diversidad, pero sí. no hay mucha inclusión. Y yo okay. quería tener conversaciones de la conservación sí. en, en, en español, y no teníamos eso. Así que eh, con Speak Up for Blue, eh, que es un podcast que Andrew Lewin es el host, sí.
0: eh,
1: él dijo, mira Yo te puedo ayudar, podemos hacer un podcast y te puedo ayudar con eso. Yo dije, pues, 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 por supuesto, sí. Y ahora tenemos a Conciencia Azul.
0: Qué bueno, qué bueno. Buen trabajo tú, sí. Like, I mean, like, that's <laughs> great. Like, i just go Spanglish right back into English. Um, No, that's, that's hey, really Hey, hey,
1: cool. it's Spanglish is 100% the mother tongue of Puerto Rico in a lot of places.
0: Right, so... right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Um, no, that's really, really cool. Thank you, and that that was awesome too. Just for me personally, STEM Music Nation, um, being a Latino, and and you know, just trying to continue to practice my Spanish. So, thank you for being willing to do that here on the podcast with me.
1: No, it's my pleasure.
0: All right, so we are going to jump into the songs. It is that time, STEM Music Nation. You know, at the end of our podcast, we always got to jump in, talk about some music that the guest, our guest um, Melissa today, um, sent over. So, I had a chance to listen to it, and so these will be really quick. Almost kind of like rapid fire, um, but basically I'll just, I'll uh, mention the song name, who the artist was, and then I have just some quick bullet points of what I thought about it or what stuck out to me, and then I'll say, hey, so what? why'd you pick it or whatever, and then we'll just kind of quickly go through them before we uh, finish up, so the first one, Medigen, I think is what he, it, how they were pronouncing it. Uh, by yes. Baker Boy and Jesse B. Let me tell you something. I was not ready when that song came on, and I watched the <laughs> video too. So, like, I would encourage uh listeners to Music Nation, y'all check out the video of "Metagen by Baker Boy and Jesse B. But I wrote, loved the energy. Uh, um, I wrote that I watched the music video and then I liked the beat. But um, the dancing yeah. and all the stuff they were doing the video, the music video was really, really dope. Um, and the beat as well. So, why did you why did you pick that song?
1: Oh it's just one of those songs that like as soon as it comes on I'm I'm one of the people that I drive fast with the windows down and the music cranked up. As soon as that song comes on, I crank it all the way up. There you um, go. It's, it's just a great one. And it's funny because when you ask me for the song, uh, like the songs, like my top five songs, sure. Australia's hottest hundreds had just come out. And it was one of the songs that just stuck in my head. Okay. And so, yeah, it's got a bit of an Aussie
0: influence. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Jump into the next one. Hold Me Up by Conrad Sewell. Um, i wrote, love the beat, fun pop song, very high vocals and like not falsetto vocals. Like he's singing very, I'm a singer. So I'm like, mm. whoa, this guy is singing very, very high. Um, and I, the last thing I put was a great anthem chorus. Like I, I love that. It just kind of felt, yeah, you know, like an anthem. Um, so why did you pick hold me up?
1: It's, I mean, it's that anthem. It's one of those, like kind of pick you up when you're down songs um, yes. and it always motivates me.
0: Nice, nice. I love it. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, she got me dancing over here with these songs. <laughs> um, Stop Me Out. Stop Me Out by Bryce Fox. Now, that this was a different one for me, like maybe something that I wouldn't necessarily be in the same arena in regards to listening to. So I wrote bold, um, a rock vibe, but the <laughs> the last thing I wrote, and I'm, I'm serious about this too when I say is I would listen to this if I was going to uh, observe sharks. Like I would need this to like... <laughs> to hype me up and be like, you're not gonna stop me. Like, I'm I'm gonna be able to do this, Sharks. Like, you're not gonna scare me. Like, that's what I wrote. So what, why'd you <laughs> pick this song?
1: I love that. <laughs> uh, again, it's just one of those hype me up songs, kind of like how you said. It's like, when I wanna get into the mindset, of, like I'm going into a meeting that I know I have to have the MIA game or something like that, sure this thing. is the song that I put on beforehand. And it's also a really good gym vibe. Okay, <laughs> like,
0: yep, I can see that. When I'm out
1: there in the gym,
0: Heck yes. I could see that. I could see that. Okay. We got two more. So one um, is second to last one, Make Way by Aloe Black. So obviously I saw that name and I was like, oh yeah, Aloe Black, you know, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, that guy. Um, <laughs> so this one, Make Way was the song title. Um, I wrote, you know, Self-Declaring, I'm Coming Through. Um, and then, but the first thing was, I'm an independent gospel artist. So the first thing was like, look at that church clap in that song okay church clap like i was like we're ready to go to church so what was it about this song that made you put it on the list for your your five
1: it's the lyrics i mean if you listen to the lyrics whenever you feel down like that is your song that is you staking your place declaring that you are here and there and i mean i think that's something that any minority really would like kind of benefit from just listening and being like right i have every right to be here and Mm. you better make way because i'm i'm Taking
0: my space wow i love that i wasn't even thinking about it like that that's dope <laughs> that's almost like uh, this is so random but it's coming to my mind right now uh, zozabini tunzi i think is a uh, miss universe and she's from south africa um and her speech i just remember her saying that we need to take up space like as women you know and and even as black women so i was just like man like that's dope you know, hearing her say that. So now that, now you got me thinking about the song in a whole different way. Like, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> like it's okay as diverse folks, especially in STEM to take up space. Like we need to take up space so that we can continue to grow um, this, this STEM industry with diverse individuals from all different backgrounds. I love that. I love that. Man, good perspective. Uh, Starry Eyes was the last one by LAB. Um, this was my favorite song. Off of the list that you have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I was like, I love the pop vibe. I love the beat. Um, if you can, if you can grab me with the beat, um, and then and even the lyrics, and it, it just was, it was just a good vibe. Like I'm listening to it after this uh, episode interview is over with today. Like I'm that's what I'm going to be listening to. <laughs> so, uh, why did you pick that song?
1: Lab is a Kiwi band, actually. Um, and I had heard of them before I actually moved to Australia, but one of my best mates like reintroduced me to them and some of their okay. like newer stuff. Okay. And I just fell in love with it again. And I was like, right, there we go. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a good summer vibe. Like,
0: love that. again, and you,
1: roll down the windows, go to the beach, listen to this.
0: I'm kind of jealous every time you say that. Cause I'm, I'm sitting here in Kansas, like what? roll down the windows like it's cold i I, don't understand what weird don't
1: be too jealous don't be too jealous (laughs) it's 120 degrees
0: oh my gosh wow yeah Yeah. okay okay that's
1: 120 (laughs) degrees
0: wow that is crazy so weirdly enough though like two days ago here super bowl sunday super bowl sunday it was 72 degrees here and and now it's like 31 i'm like this is so crazy i don't know what's going on but (laughs) Yeah, no, for real. The Midwest weather in the United States is crazy like that. But, wow, 120. Yeah, that's 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 kind of hot. That's kind of, wow. Yeah, you
1: you got to roll down the windows. I the AC, calor. You the, <laughs> exactly. You put the AC in the car, all you get is hot air. So I'm like, no, oh, I'm wow. rolling down the windows.
0: There you go. There you go. Well, man, this has been a great... Uh, podcast interview um, melissa you 've been a great guest like we 've been able to talk in spanish a little bit we 've been able to go through several of your stories and I definitely feel like you 're inspiring you 're going to inspire so many people even people who who aren 't latino or who aren 't women like you 're just going to inspire people to i think what i 'm gathering from this whole episode this whole interview is just go after your dreams and go after them with like this fire and this passion and when you get rejected, just keep trying and be resourceful look at the resources and uh that you have around you and just just keep going build your support system and keep going and so um you've you've touched on a lot of things in regards to advice already and so I would just say um and we even talked about that in Spanish like what advice you would give so um the English side of it let's End with that final question. Just what advice would you give um, to any young STEM professional, or it could be, I mean, the demographic for STEM Music Nation is anywhere from young kids, you know, in high school to students in college to young professionals. Um, you know, what advice would you give? It could t- it could be to all of the, that you know the, the, that audience. It could be to a certain uh, specific demographic. But what would you like to leave STEM Music Nation with?
1: I think. The biggest advice that I could give is if you're passionate about something, if you love something, don't let something stand in the way of it. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people who are naysayers who say you can't do this, this, and this for whatever reasons. Um, some of it will be constructive criticism. A lot of it won't be. Um, you know, you have to pick and choose which, which is which. Um, sure. But I think if you are really passionate about something, if there is something that fires you up, Stick with that because so many people don't have something that fires them up. So when you find that special something, hold on to it for dear life and don't let anyone take it from you. Um, and you know, it's I, again, I've been really lucky that I have such a good support system. I know a lot of people out there don't. Um, if you guys ever need your cheerleader, just reach out to me on social media. I'd be happy to cheer you on doing whatever it is that you're doing. Sure, go ahead um, and give them your go ahead and I give them your socials. Yeah, so um, on Twitter, it's at MCM Sharps, XX. And on Instagram, it's Melissa Christina Marquez. Um, that's the entire uh, username. Um, or you can just look me up on Google and there's other ways you can find me there like through email and whatnot. So yeah, I'm here for you guys. I know it's tough, but um, yeah, if you need someone who needs a cheerleader, I'm happy to do it. I'm loud enough.
0: <laughs> I love I love that. So Stim Music Nation, you got a resource right there. Hit her up um check out her stuff uh check out her discovery channel um document check check out everything that she's mentioned in this uh podcast or ted talk everything and as she just said she's a resource so if especially if you're interested in marine biology or anything in that uh kind of uh, area arena uh hit her up um but melissa thank you so much for being on the podcast today you've been an incredible guest you've added so much value to stem music nation so thank you for being a part of this interview.
1: Thank you for me. It's been an absolute
0: honor and pleasure. That is awesome. All right, STEM Music Nation. So that concludes this episode of the STEM Music Podcast. Um, As usual, if this is your first time listening, welcome and uh, feel free to follow us at The STEM Music. That's at T-H-E-S-T-E-M-U-S-I-C. And that's on all platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, anywhere you want to find us at The STEM Music. And then you can also... Always check us out at the website www.roymoy3music.com stem music thank you so much for tuning in and have a great rest of your day peace everywhere we' gonna